Good morning. This is Spencer. I'm out for a walk. And I've been thinking the last few days about isolation and the toll that isolation takes on me and maybe on you as well. Recently was listening to a uh, science podcast talking to, I guess she's a psychologist. The core of what she was talking about was that we as humans, are what are called obligatorily gregarious, meaning that we need the company of others. It's not optional. That when we don't get it, we can actually suffer not just emotionally, but physically with symptoms like high blood pressure, but also depression, anxiety. And she mentioned hypervigilance, and I know... A number of you have written to me about being hypervigilant, and maybe the situation now is making that worse for you. Uh, I don't know. But I thought about right now, so many of us are under sort of enforced isolation. I have the company of a few people. I live with my wife, and we have a good relationship, so... That's a positive. I have a dog, which also, you know, provides company, provides at least some of that physical and emotional support, if not human company. And we get to see our daughter about once a week face-to-face. One of the things that I'm realizing is that face-to-face is really important, but even with that support, I don't have face-to-face interactions with any other people or very many other people at all. I mean, there's the distanced with a sheet of plexiglass interaction with the cashier at the grocery store. It doesn't probably count, although it's, I think, better than video interaction. There's a small group of neighbors who gather nightly to let our dogs play. And You know, I have a six-foot leash, so I figure if I'm at one end of the leash and my dog is saying hi to somebody at the other end of the leash, I'm six feet away, right? I'm walking through a neighborhood and it's garbage collection day, so you may hear the occasional garbage truck going by. I'll try to keep that to a minimum on this recording. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, All of the rest of my interactions are virtual, The interactions with the people I work with are all by video. The interactions with other Al-Anon members in my meetings and in my sponsor meetings are by video. And you know, it's, it's just not the same. The person on this podcast was talking about looking at each other, looking each other in the eyes and forming a connection. I don't know about your video setup, if you even have one. But when I'm on Zoom or whatever other video chat we're using, and and at work we have too many different ones that we use, my webcam is not in the center of the screen. So if I'm looking at you on the screen, I'm not looking at the camera. And if I'm looking at the camera so that maybe you feel that I'm looking at you, I can't see you. I mean, you're in the corner of my vision instead of right there. And 
it's just it significantly for me reduces the quality of the interaction it makes it harder for me to really engage in the meeting you may have heard me say before that I'm what do I call myself a shy extrovert which means that I like the company of people but I'm a little bit uncomfortable being close having close interaction but I miss being able to be eye to eye face to face with you with someone that I'm having a deep personal conversation with it's not the same looking at you on the screen and you're looking at me on the screen and neither of us is looking at each other how do we do that how do we do that well that's you know that's subtle it's insidious i think i didn't recognize what i was missing until it was really pointed out to me during this lockdown i'm still working i still have a daily routine that engages me in mental activity at least not so much physical although one of the things that i have added in my life during the lockdown is trying to go on a reasonably long daily walk with my dog half an hour to an hour in the morning before i get started so i have a routine but i find myself spending a lot more time doing what i'll call diversions playing games on my phone reading watching tv i've been doing some binging on streaming recently and that takes me away from some of the things that i feel give quality to my life I'm getting quantity but not quality in that sense I guess. One of those things is doing this podcast. I'm finding it sometimes difficult to get motivated to do the work. So I'm trying this trying this recording a podcast episode while I'm on a walk. This is what another podcast that I listen to calls stacking your life, which doesn't mean multitasking, it means when you can find ways to combine things that are important into a single activity you find that you have more time to do them and so i'm stacking recording the podcast with taking a walk with my dog and notice i'm not saying walking my dog i'm taking a walk with my dog other forms of togetherness of oneness of community that have really gone by the wayside are all of the all of the physical touch interactions the hugs at meetings even you know just sitting across a table with a sponsee and talking is is physical we might not be touching but our you know our our what do you call it our our, our auras our our personal spaces are touching and that's so different it really is different it's more real i guess is is another way to put it and this doctor on the podcast talked about in particular this brain chemical hormone called oxytocin which is sometimes referred to as the love hormone the hug hormone and oxytocin helps you to calm it, it 
reduces anxiety, it reduces fear. It's sort of an antidote for fight or flight syndrome. I think that a lot of us, and myself included, I don't want to speak for you, I, I try not to speak for you, are in a sort of a constant low-level fight-or-flight state right now. If I'm walking down the street and I see somebody walking toward me on the same sidewalk, that raises anxiety. Do I need to cross the street or just go out into the street or, or, or move aside somehow? Are they going to move aside somehow? What's going to happen? It's not big, but it is anxiety. And it does, you know, just make it harder for me to stay serene, to stay calm. It takes energy away from the rest of what I could do, I guess is a way to put it. So, hey, what's the solution here? Well, I don't know if it's the solution, but she gave us some tools to help reduce anxiety increased production of oxytocin in our body that are very simple, just very simple, and sort of echo a lot of recovery tools that, that I've learned. First one is breathe. Just breathe. Do you find yourself sort of holding your breath? Am I holding my breath when somebody's walking towards me on the sidewalk? I might be, just a little bit. Breathe. Breathe in such a way that your exhale is at least a little bit longer than your inhale. I don't know why, but apparently this helps. So, something like that, if you could hear that. Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. So that's one. Just breathing, paying a little bit of attention to the breath, noticing the breath, being there with the breath. Sounds like meditation, doesn't it? Well, we're getting there. Next, apparently even more, breathe through your nose instead of your mouth. Not sure why, but apparently studies have shown that breathing through your nose helps you to calm, helps you to reduce fear and anxiety more than breathing through your mouth. Who knew? And then we get to one that sounds a little a little um, far out to me, but apparently, again, supported by studies. Breathe through one nostril and apparently, particularly, your left nostril. Now, this is something that obviously you're doing consciously. You're not doing it all the time. But just take a finger, gently close your right nostril, breathe through your nose. So just... Some simple breathing exercises that can really help. Be silent. Be quiet. It's another one. Goes along with breathing, I suppose. If you're paying attention to your breath, maybe hearing your breath, then you're probably also being silent. Which, again, we're getting into the, the edge of meditation, but it, you know, I'm not telling you to shut down your brain. Anything like that, which I've come to realize practicing mindfulness meditation, I can't shut down my brain. I can try to let go of it, but I can't shut it down. So breathe. 
Take some quiet. Don't you feel better already? And then, since we're not getting as much touch, as much human contact as we used to, I forget the name of this movement, but it sort of simulates the effects of a hug. You want to cross your arms and put your hands on your shoulders. And then slowly run your hands down your arms to your elbows and all the way out to your hands. And, and do that several times. This will induce your body to produce more oxytocin. Sort of like giving yourself a hug. It's a self-hug is what it is. And uh, I've tried that a few times. And man, that feels pretty good. It really does. So those are just a few simple things that we can do, that I can do, that you can do to help reduce your anxiety level, to bring you more toward that place of calm and serenity that we're often looking for, that this program promises we will have serenity. And also I was thinking you know, about isolation and about isolation in an alcoholic relationship. That when my loved one was actively drinking and I was living in anxiety and fear and shame, I cut myself off from people around me. You know, I self-isolated. That, of course, made me more anxious more fearful. Well, I think it was sort of a vicious cycle there, you know. So in this time when many of us, so many of us are physically isolated because of the pandemic and if we're still living with alcoholism or addiction, it's a double whammy, you know. I know that a number of you have written to me saying how grateful you are for the podcast, especially during this time when you can't make it to meetings. And just thinking about isolation and the impact of isolation on my life, on my emotional state, on my ability to get things done, I feel that not being able to go to meetings just, you know, Increases that impact, I guess, is a way to put it. Increases that impact. And I just want to say, I just want to encourage you, if you've been not going to meetings, if you've been feeling that you can't get out, you can't find a meeting, you can't find a meeting online, make, a, make an effort. Because even though an online meeting is not perfect, does not have the same impact on me, does not have the same depth for me as a face-to-face -face meeting. For me, again, and maybe for you, it is so much better than not meeting, than not making some contact, some connection with other people and with other people in recovery in particular. I think even more than 
usual, even more than not during a pandemic. Meetings or meeting with another person, just meeting with another person, talking with another person, screen to screen, can be a huge help in staying sane, in staying centered. So that's my thought for today. Breathe, hug yourself, go to a meeting.